Amen. I'll take the blame for that one if anyone saw me coming up here prematurely. You guys didn't see that, did you? Absolutely not. I always ask TJ, is there anything at the end of the... Nope, nope, just you. Okay. I knew I should have asked. Awesome song. We get to do that every single moment. Amen. We get to take the breath that God gives us and we get to pour that out to him in an act of praise. We get to worship him with our very being. Man, I don't know about you, but we don't have to wait till Sunday to do that. Right? We get to do that on Sunday. We come together as the body of Christ and we get to exalt the name of Christ with the body of Christ. And there's, there's just something special about that. There's a joy in that. But man, if you're waiting until Sunday to, to pour out that praise, you are, you are extremely missing out in that relationship with Christ. And so I encourage you, man, when you, when you wake up in the morning, let the first thoughts that you have, the first words that you utter be drifted towards him. Be, be centered in Christ. And I'm telling you, if you will start every day before your feet hit the floor with just a simple, quick, and easy prayer of, Lord, today is your day. This is yours. I'm surrendering today to you as an act of worship. I'm going to lay it before you. You lead me. You guide me in all that I have scheduled, all that I have planned, all the things I want to do today. It's all in pencil. Why do we put it in pencil? Because God may change it, and we're okay with that. Because his plan for your day is so much greater than your plan for your day. So we schedule, we plan, but we give that first moment in the morning. We say, God, this is your day. And God, I'm going to live it for you for your glory. Every breath that I breathe, may it declare the goodness of God. And so what an awesome song. Open your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 13. We're going to get there in just a little bit. So I'm having you turn there with the knowledge we're not going to go right there. So we're going to get there in just a few moments, but I'm having you turn there just a little bit ahead of us. And so Acts chapter 13, and uh, this morning uh, we are finishing up uh, our talk from last week. And so many of you know we've been in a series called Conversations with God, and we've been talking about what would it be like to have a a time with God. We can just sit across and ask questions of Him. It was so cool. Um, Last week I kind of threw it out there. If anybody had something that they... And we explain this, right? We say things like, when I, can, when I get to heaven, when I get to, to the throne of God, I'm going to ask God this question. And we talked about last week, we, obviously we know, based on God's word at least, I believe, uh, we're not going to go before God and go, well, God, now that I'm here, and pull out our little sticky note, okay, item number one, uh, and ask questions, right? The Bible's pretty clear. What are we going to do when we see God? When we finally stand before him in Christ, fully redeemed, fully forgiven of our sin, what's going to happen when we stand before him? At least, what, what do we see individuals that are in Christ, when they see God, what happens? What happens? You can answer. They fall on their face. You know, there's that song, Mercy Me did that song, said, you know, will I dance and all these things. Well, what will I do? I, I, can't, I can only imagine. I get the point of the song. But when I read that and I heard that song, I thought, I don't really imagine too much about what it's going to be like when I stand before him that first time because I kind of think I'm just going to fall before him. I mean, there may be joy and dancing and praising and there will be all of that to that world and we're standing before the God creator of all things and thunderings and lightnings are proceeding from the throne of God in his glory. And we see the fullness of the throne. We see the fullness of our God. We see all the angels By the way, read Revelation, tens upon tens upon tens upon tens of thousands of angels just around the throne, just worshiping him and shouting praises to him. When we stand before that image, 
and I'm in Christ and I realize the fullness of my sin, but yet the fullness of grace, that I don't deserve to even be in that moment, let alone call that God Father, when we realize all of that, I truly believe we're just going to fall on our face and just cry out, God, it is all for your glory. God, it's all for you. And I, I wonder if we took that mindset to our daily lives, how would our daily lives change? We, we all agree. I don't think anyone here is going to go, no, when I stand before God, I'm going to tell him how thankful he should be that I allowed him to save me. I mean, look at all that I bring to the table. Look at me and all my awesomeness. Now, I think we understand when we see him, we're going to be fully aware of our sin and fully aware of the grace that he gave us to forgive us and redeem us and call us his son or daughter. And so my challenge to you this morning is as we think about that, we think about having a conversation with God, let's fall on our face every single day. Maybe think of it this way. Let's start practicing for that moment. Let's start practicing for that moment when we see him face to face. Let's just get in the attitude of praise where we're just like, God, I'm just going to live this out every single day. And it's just going to be glorified even more when I see you face to face. But if we could sit down and have a conversation with God, if we could sit down and, and just have a, a coffee or a talk or a tea or a, a water or whatever, a non-GMO, non-gluten, non-sugar-free, whatever drink you drink, okay? I know I've heard of the, the different drinks that people drink. It's kind of crazy. But if we could sit down and have a conversation with God, what would we talk about? And it was so cool. Last week I threw that out there, and it was cool to get a couple responses from people through, uh, like, Messenger. And somebody was like, well, this is kind of what I was thinking. You know, this is something I've always kind of gone back and forth on. And they even kind of said, I, I get it, right? I get the answer, I guess, but it's, the answer doesn't sit fully. And so I kind of always gone with this. And, and then somebody else sent me one and said, what do you think about this? It's possibly a conversation topic. And, and it was so cool to get some feedback from people. And so maybe you're sitting there going, like, this is what I would want to talk to God about if I could. Yeah, like, if I could sit down with him and talk to him. And so we've been going through this series now. This is our third week, I believe. And we said it in the very first week. We're not going to go through every possible application of the topic in, in a 45, 50-minute message. We're just not. And so I encourage you, this is just kind of starting down that road so that hopefully you'll get into God's Word and start studying and learning and growing and seeing where God applies it in your life differently from maybe how he applies it in my life. And so the first week we talked about what would God say about politics. Last week we talked about what would God say about the church. And so this morning we're going to finish up that talk. And I was kind of thinking about combining this morning's finishing up of last week and next week's together. And as I was writing the message out and kind of putting it all together, I just realized this is so much content. We really need to kind of wait and, and really kind of establish this topic this morning, really kind of give some due diligence to what Scripture has to say about this last thing that I think God wants to know about his church. And then next week we're going to talk about what would God say about new age and new thought movement sneaking into the church. And so not our church specifically, I mean the church, the body of Christ. And to give you a little bit of a teaser on that, what I mean is there's a lot of teaching and, and phrasing and comments and things that Christians are saying nowadays in the last maybe 15 years or so, 20 years. It's in, it's in so many books now that are Christian books. Um, that's all just kind of a new thought, new age, kind of a spiritualistic type content. And so we're going to talk about next week, what are some of those teachings that have crept into the body of Christ? And why do we need to be guarded against them? And what does scripture have to say about those things? And so we're going to dive into that next week. But this morning, we're going to finish up our talk about the church. And so, and I said this the first week, I said it 
Last week, I'll say it again. We're going to look at some scriptures, and we're going to kind of figure out what would God say about this topic. Sometimes there's principle passages, which means the Bible spells it out. Or, I mean, pattern passages where the Bible spells it out. This is how you do it. It's always this way. We did Lord's Supper last week. That's a pattern passage. We do it the same way, right? We come together. There's bread. There's the drink. We do it this way. We do it in remembrance of him because Scripture says to. Okay, so we, we copy that. Baptism, we do it the same way we believe the early church did it. We baptize by immersion, which means fully submerging under the water, rising out of the water. Okay, we do not sprinkle. We do not baptize infants. We baptize what we believe we see in Scripture, which is a believer, somebody who's come to Christ, has knowledge of Jesus Christ, and then is baptized. And that baptism is a public testimony of that decision to be saved. The baptism does nothing to make them more saved. doesn't make you like a Christian tier level two or one or whatever you want to look at, okay? It doesn't bump you up the ladder. It just merely is an expression of the faith that you have now professed, and it's connecting you with the body of Christ. Okay, it's a picture of that. Okay? We do that as a pattern verse. We do it the same way. There are other things that aren't quite as spelled out in Scripture, so we look at principle passages. Here's some things Scripture says. Here's some things that we can apply. And so we need to understand the difference there and then realize how God can give us wisdom in these things. And so I'm just going to kind of review for just a quick minute, and then we'll get into some new stuff. So we talked last week. Um, if you weren't here and you want to take notes, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 We looked at that, Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47, Um, Hebrews 10, uh, 19 through really 25. We looked at that passage and kind of set the stage for what is the church? What, what, What would God want us to know about his church? And I believe those are some great passages to really kind of understand that. Also, let me say this. If you missed any of the messages, you can get them online on our website, northgoodland.org, or you can get them through the app by going to your app store and searching North Goodland BC in your app store. And so since the answer to the question, what would God say about his church, could literally fill multiple weeks. Um, and we've done some series over the years. We did one, um, What's the Big Deal About Church? That was one we did a long time ago. Um, I think that had like seven or eight weeks in it. Um, we've done other ones about... Um, What was another one we did about the church? We did one called Religion Saves and Other Misconceptions, and we talked about the church in there. And so some different series that you're welcome to go to the Welcome Center, check those out. You can check them out like the library kind of a way and and have those studies on CD if you'd prefer to have CD. Uh, For the younger people here, CD is 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 a disc. It's kind of shiny on one side, a little reflective on the other. You put information on there. You used to put that into a CD player, um, and then that would play things for you. Um, how many of you guys remember the, just thinking about Sony, or Sony Walkmans and the CD players? Did anybody have the actual, like, the big Sony Walkmans when those first came out? Did you not think you were the coolest person on planet Earth? What was the problem with Sony Walkmans when they first came out? The skip, right? Because what, remember, so you got to put this in context. The, the, the Sony Walkmans worked great with their boss jeans, right? No Boss Jean fans in here, okay? I had a pair of Boss Jeans. The back pockets, you could fit like a small child in the back pocket, okay? It was huge, okay? Jinko jeans, you guys remember Jinko jeans? That was the, with the leg that was like this, and you'd get it wet on purpose because that looked even cooler when the bottom third was soaking wet. Anyway, it was the 90s. It was a crazy time. So, but I remember putting the Walkman in my back pocket, this huge Walkman. I'm, I keep making it bigger. It's like a fishing story. Okay, it was like this big. I used to love putting it in my back pocket because that was even cooler, right? Now it's like, oh, I'm hands-free with the CD. Where is it even at? You don't even know. It's magic. 
Okay? But when you're walking, every time you take a step, guess what happens? Skip, skip. Then they made something cool called anti-skip. Remember this? Did that work for anybody? I used to turn that thing on all the time. It still skipped. I'm like, this is the biggest ripoff in the world. Anyway, all that to say this, if you've missed any of these series and you want to get them on CD or on digital, you can get those and information to the Welcome Center. So that had nothing to do with the church, nothing to do with anything, um, just my life stories. And these are not made up. These are real things. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about when we talk about the church, and we have to understand this. We said this last week, so I'm just going to review real quick. The first thing God would tell us about his church is the church is his. He would say the church is mine. Uh, he is the head of the church. We looked at Ephesians chapter 2 and chapter 5. Um, he is the shepherd. We talked about that, right? John chapter 10. He is the head of the church and he is the shepherd. He is the great shepherd. We are not saving ourselves, leading ourselves, protecting ourselves, taking care of ourselves. We are under his protection he is our shepherd, right? Amen? He watches over us. I am so thankful that he is the great shepherd. Because I'm thankful that the God of creation watches over us. I'm thankful that the God of creation knows my, knows my needs better than I do. I'm so thankful that the God of creation walks with me and cares for me with that tender, loving care a shepherd cares for his sheep. We also need to understand that as a shepherd, sometimes he corrects the sheep. Sometimes he rebukes the sheep when the sheep is going wayward, okay? But I'm still thankful he's also the great shepherd who doesn't just let the sheep go. Amen? Right, let me ask you this way. Any of you as the, the body of Christ, as a saved individual, maybe wandered at some point in your Christian life? Anyone wandered as a sheep of God? Couple hands. Okay, the rest of you, awesome. I'm proud of you, okay? We've all, we've all wandered to some degree, right? Man, aren't you so thankful that when you were wandering... And the church was over here doing its thing, and you were out here wandering, that Christ didn't just go, I'll see you when you get back, but that he pursued you. Amen? He chased after you, and he drew you. He brought you back into the body of Christ. Maybe it was through a, a way of correction, but praise God, when his correction comes, it's better than anything we can imagine because it doesn't just correct us and rebuke us. It heals us and shows us there's a better way. There's a more fruitful way that we can live. And so, listen, the discipline of the Lord is not good in the time it's being exercised or, or done to us, right? We don't look at that and go, well, I'm so thankful for this in the moment. Sometimes the discipline of God hurts. The correction of God's word hurts. It's okay because if it's God doing it through God's word, he's correcting us and drawing us so that we can be made into the image of Christ. For what purpose? That he is glorified. And so we understand that he is the head of the church. We don't get the right to come together and go, we think the church should be about these things without consulting the word of God. Many churches do that. They get, you know, uh, mission statement boards together. We're going to develop a, a strategy to reach this community. And they never crack open the word of God to even go, what is God's church about in God's word? See, we don't get the right to do that because it's not our church. It's not my church as the pastor. Now, one of the titles or phrases that are given to pastors is the under-shepherd. I'm called to shepherd this flock of God's church, to lead and to nurture and to ex just give the word of God so that you can go out and do the work of the ministry of God in this world, so that you can be fruitful disciplers and evangelists to share Christ. But I am not the shepherd. I am the under-shepherd. And I will stand one day before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account. James talks about this. Listen, brothers, I would rather not all of you, and I'm paraphrasing, be teachers. 
Let's not have many, many, many teachers. Because every time you have a teacher, that teacher is now accountable for the words of God that they say God's word speaks. I'm just going to tell you right now, there's a lot of teachers that are deviating from God's word. A lot of pastors, when I hear their teaching, are deviating. They may be saved. They may not be saved. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not attacking the individuals. I'm just saying their teaching is not according to God's word. And those individuals, and here's the awesome thing. I don't have to hold them accountable. I don't have to judge them because God's going to take care of that. Just like one day I'll stand before him. And so our prayer as a church is that we would realize that he is the head of the church. He is the shepherd. And so we desire to follow his purposes for the church, not our own. When we fix our eyes on Christ as a church, we will see fruit produced. Now I want to talk about what does that fruit look like? According to God's word, according to the early church, what do we see the early church doing as they set their eyes on Christ and began to minister for Christ? What do we see them doing consistently that God seemed to bless? And so here's the things that we believe as a church that we see in the New Testament that the church was doing. And we talked about this last week, so I'm just going to give it to you kind of quick. But I'm going to expound on it a little bit more today than what we did last week, just a little bit more. So the first thing we see is the idea of fellowship. And we talked about this. Fellowship is not just a meal. It's coming together as the body of Christ walking in the light with those who are in the light so that we might have unity together. And one of the best things about coming together for the body of Christ, coming together with the body of Christ is to have fellowship and encouragement of one another. And I pray this, I pray those relationships you make here will go beyond the building. I think that's a big part of fellowship. It's not just coming here for an event or a dinner or a thing, which is good, coming to service and shaking hands. Um, I've told you guys before, I have some friends that have changed how they do church. And a lot of them came from very fundamental, not in a good way fundamental, um, legalistic churches. And one of the things, they, one of the first things they got rid of, a couple different pastors said, the first thing they got rid of was the greet time, the shaking hands time, okay? They felt that was so old school, that's so traditional, right? It's so weird to like hug and shake hands with people you don't even know. Like that's just awkward in today's culture, Okay. And they asked me, they said, did you get rid of it when you started changing some things? I said, no, we still do it. Because I love that. I love that time to fellowship. Now, to be real, y'all need to pay a little more attention to when the band gets up here. But that's just, I'm not saying, I'm, just, I'm not pointing fingers, not naming names. Okay, I'm just saying, okay. But fellowship is good. It's okay. But listen, sometimes if, only, if the only fellowship you're getting from the body of Christ is when you're here on a Sunday morning and we're shaking hands, man, you are missing out on what the body of Christ really can be in your life what other believers can do and be in your life by the glory of God for the, or by the grace of God for the glory of God. And when you take these relationships outside the church, man, and you're going through something on a Tuesday or a Thursday and you can text a brother or sister in Christ and say, would you pray for me about this? Man, that's where those, that fellowship really starts to become concrete in our lives. And so let's not just look at fellowship as here. Now this is part of it and we're fellowshipping in the light, but it goes beyond here as well. We talked about ministry. Ministry, this idea of serving one another. Serving one another. Man, there's no greater thing you can do for someone than to serve them in a time of need. By the way, we don't just serve those in the body of Christ. Who else should we be serving? Our enemies, right? Those that persecute us, those that hate us. Hey, go serve them. Paul says it this way. It's like heaping, or it's like putting heaps of coal on their head, Okay? What it's saying is you're being kinder and more gracious to them and serving them, even though they hate you and persecute you, their own shame and their own guilt will start to make them feel bad. You don't need to guilt them. They will just begin to realize, wow, man, why are they serving me? I don't even like them. 
doesn't mean we agree with them. doesn't mean we don't disagree with them. doesn't mean we don't have a conversation and speak truth. But even your enemy you can serve. Someone you don't like personally, you don't like their opinion, their views, you can still serve them in their time of need. But ministry takes many, many forms. We do something here where we make dinners for people who are um, coming in, out of the hospital, coming home from a surgery, going through different things, funeral meals. We have people that bring desserts for the funeral dinners. You can have a hand in that by just doing ministry, just serving someone, just being there for someone. Uh, we also see the early church doing discipleship. Discipleship. Discipleship is not just one-on-one uh, Bible study for six weeks. It can be that. But by the way, this is technically discipleship. What we're doing, we're opening up God's Word and saying, this is what God's Word says. We're all being discipled by that. It's one-on-one. It's small group. It's large group. It's time over coffee with another Christian and just asking them, how's your prayer life going? I have a really good friend that almost daily he'll text me, how was your reading this morning and how was your prayer life this morning? Just every day, and I love it. I look forward to it because I want to have that connection with somebody where I can encourage them and they can encourage me with discipleship and getting in God's word. And here's the key in discipleship. Discipleship is not about making anyone like you. How you pray, how you read, how you study, how you worship Jesus. Discipleship is all about helping someone to be like Jesus and just helping them to understand that. But that will mean you modeling some things before them. Sandra just shared on the uh, kids Facebook page, the NG Kids Facebook page, which if you have kids in the ministry and you haven't liked that yet, you need to. Uh, but she just shared an article by Tim Challies talking about when you pray with your children as a family, you're not only just teaching them to pray, you're modeling how to pray. And they're seeing your heart and your passion for prayer. And when you call out to God and then you tell them, God answered that prayer. And you worship together as a family. Man, when you are praying as a family, you're discipling. Now, it's great to do devotions. It's great to read the Bible as a family. But when you're really going even deeper to say, we're going to live this thing out, you're discipling each other, you're discipling your children, your grandchildren, however God is leading. So we see fellowship, ministry, discipleship. We see evangelism. All of this, by the way, is coming from Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 48. We see evangelism. Evangelism is a big word for what? What does that mean to evangelize? to witness, to share my faith, right, to share Christ, we can all do that, okay? We can all evangelize. We can all share our faith. And then lastly, worship. We see worship happening in the early church. And how does worship look in the early church? Man, it took so many forms. It was prayer. It was discipleship. It was giving. In Acts chapter 2, it says they, get, they sold their possessions and brought the money and just distributed it to those in need. Ministry and worship all working together. When they're serving each other, they're worshiping each other. What do we tend to think of when we think worship in the church today? If you had to say, ask the average Christian, what is worship to you? What do you think the average Christian would say worship means to them? Or what do they think of when they think worship? Music, singing, right? Now, is that wrong? No, it's still right. It, singing is worship. But what we do is we take worship and put it in the box of its only music. Like, okay, we just finished the worship time because the last song and now the preaching time is going to start. Man, no, 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 no. Worship is everything when it's centered on Christ. My giving is worshiping when it's centered on Christ. My lifestyle is worship when it's centered on Christ. The way I parent my children is worship when it's centered on Christ. The way I love my wife is Christ loved the church. I don't do that perfectly, by the way. But when I do, by God's grace, it's worship. Do you know Peter says if you don't treat your wife with grace... Your prayers can be hindered. 
Man, that, when I'm loving my wife and she's loving the children and she's serving and I'm serving and we're doing what God calls us to do, it's all worship for him. Why? It's putting him on display. His glory is magnified. And let me just say this. When we talk about worship, when it comes to music, man, it's, it's not about just singing some words on the, on the screen. It's not about just kind of humming along with the song. It's not about just singing the words and then sitting down. It's about listening to the content, reading what we're singing and going, man, God, you are so good. Letting it be an overflow, an expression of your heart with Christ. And I feel sometimes in my life, I come to the music part of our worship service and I miss some of that because I'm just kind of caught up in it. I'm not really paying attention. It's just kind of, okay, this is the opening song. This is what we do to get everybody in their seats. And I miss some vital time with the body of Christ. You ever do this? Now, we can't all do this at the same time because it would be really weird for the praise band, okay? Do you ever stop singing and just listen to the body of Christ, just listen to the voices around you? Again, if we all did that, the band would go, oh, this is a special now. It's not worship anymore. It's It's not congregational. It's just we're just doing a solo for you or a band special for you. So we don't all do that. But, man, there's something so wonderful about that, just hearing the voices of God's people cry out to him and sing praises to him. And so worship is more than just music, but also it is music. And so we see all these things coming together, which we pray will create a kingdom-focused church that loves God, loves others, and loves to serve. So the first thing Jesus would tell us is the church is his. The second thing Jesus would tell us is the church is vital. We talked about this last week. Again, just a couple summary points. The church is vital. It's vital to keeping us connected to one another, which is true community. And we must be consistent in attending church and being a part of the church. Make it a priority and be there if you can be there. We're not talking about legalism where you're checking the box and you're there no matter what because I got to impress the pastor and the people of the church. It's about, God, if I can be there, help me to be there and make it priority so I can be consistent. Because I, I don't want to miss what you're doing in the body of Christ because I want to be a part of that as you're being glorified before me. And so it was so cool. Last week I had somebody come to me on Sunday night. And they said, you know what? I almost stayed home today. And I said, okay, that's fine. And this person said, no, 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 for no other reason than I just didn't feel like going. And he said, you know what I realized? He thought, he thought man, I'm doing exactly what you just talked about this morning. I have no reason to not go. There's not a family thing. We're not going on vacation. We're not busy. I'm not working. I just don't feel like it. And he said the Holy Spirit kind of convicted him to go, no, I need to be there. And I said to him, I said, no, that's great. I said, but don't get caught up in the legalism of it now because that's where we tend to go. And he said, nope, that had nothing to do with it. I genuinely believe God wanted me to be there tonight. He said, that's what it's all about. It's not about I went because I felt bad. I went because of this or that. I went because I believe God wants me there and I can be there. Therefore, I'll be there. And so that's what we talked about last week. Jumping into the last part, kind of the new material. I also believe God would say about the church, it's how I'm changing the world. I think God wants to know that through the church is how he's changing the world. It is the chosen means of connecting people with Christ. The body of Christ, the church in today's day and age, and as it was 2,000 years ago, is the chosen means of connecting people to Christ. In the book of Acts, we see the preaching of God's word unto repentance, and then baptism, and then instantly connection with the church. Do you notice he says, I added unto the church daily in Acts chapter 2, such as should be saved. I didn't just add them unto, I added them unto the church, the body of Christ. It is through the church that mission work is accomplished all over the world. 
We actually get to be a part of people around the world coming to Christ. I want to look at Acts chapter 13. I told you we'd get there. Acts chapter 13, in verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch. I love the phrasing there. Now there were in the church, in the church, the body, that was Ant Antioch. Now this means in the city of Antioch there was the church. Okay? We are a little different. We have a thing that happened in church history called the Reformation. And that means that we had these things called denominations start to kind of be created. And now, you know, some, what, 500 years later from the Reformation, now we're seeing and we've seen one denomination become another one and split off to another one and split off into another one. And there are those three of those, right? Sometimes it's over doctrine. Often it's over practice. What I mean by that is not so much what you believe, but how you practice what you believe, how you do church has caused churches to kind of split off. I believe some denominations have held true to some very biblical truths. Some denominations have kind of drifted off over the years into some different teaching. But I believe that when you think about that, we think denominations are bad. Oh, you can't have denominations. That's so bad. We've got to all be one. Well, sometimes if it's over doctrine and things like that, there needs to be division if it's over God's word. I'm okay with that. But when we see this here, we don't read about the Baptist church at Antioch, the Methodist church at Antioch, the Wesleyan church at Antioch, right? And then we don't read about the Independent Baptist Church at Antioch, the Regular Baptist Church at Antioch, the Southern Baptist Church at Antioch, the Northern Baptist Church of Antioch. Okay, we don't read the Free Will Baptist. I could just keep going on and on and on. And so when you see this, the reason, if you've ever read that and go, wait a minute, what kind of church was it? <laughs> was it a Baptist church, a Methodist church? You might think, who really thinks that? I used to think that. What kind of church was this? It's just the church. This means the body of Christ following after the truths and teachings of the apostles. It says this, that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, and then it lists those individuals that were teaching there. You're going to notice in the list, you're going to see Saul and Barnabas being listed there. Now, Saul and Barnabas were sent there to kind of look at the church of Antioch to see what God was doing because it's mostly a Gentile church, and they were asking the question, can God really be moving in a Gentile church? Do they have the same Holy Spirit we do? Do they have the same teaching we do? And so they're kind of observing, but I love this. They started serving in the church. Don't miss that. Paul and Barnabas were serving actively in a local church. This is not just the universal body of Christ. How do we know that? Because it gives us a location. The specific church in a specific city called Antioch. They were serving the local church. Verse 2. Okay. As they ministered to the Lord. So what are they doing? Are they just sitting on their hands going, Okay, Jesus, we're here in the church, and when you're ready, we'll, we'll go. Go ahead and call us whenever you're ready. We're ready. Man, we're excited to serve. So whenever you're ready to call, man, we're going to go. We're on fire for Jesus. Woo! So you just let me know, and I'll serve when you're ready for me to serve. I mean, I'm not doing anything right now, but when you're ready, man, I'll go. That's not what they see here. What do they see here? As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work Whereunto I have called them. And when they, they being the church, had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, it's not in a bad way, okay, it means they prayed over them, laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And this is so amazing to me. Get this. Paul and Barnabas are serving in the church. They're actively involved in whatever was going on in the church. You might say, what were they doing to minister in the church? Whatever God gave them opportunity to do. 
It's so amazing. I just had somebody this morning who's already serving, already teaching, say, hey, I noticed that our older kid junior church isn't quite yet back up and running. And I'll let you know, we're just kind of praying about some things right now, about what direction that's going to go. So just pray with us and be, thank you for your grace in that area. But this person said, I noticed that. And I just want to let you know that if you want, I might be willing to step out here in the near future and maybe take on some more kids or, or do something different. Already serving, saying, hey, I'll, if you need it. And this person said to me, they said, I love being in the main worship service. And I get some of that on Sunday night and Wednesday night, and I come together with the body of Christ. But I just love kids. I just want to serve the kids. And if I can do that, then, yeah, it's a little more work, but that's okay. I want to serve. I want to minister. Man, that's what we see here. I mean, isn't that true? Isn't that what we see? Then they ministered. They just did whatever Antioch needed. I almost imagine, could you imagine Paul serving here before he's Paul? Okay? No great missionary, just, just another guy. And he's picking up the trash in the hallway. Could you even, like, does that even enter your mind? I couldn't imagine the Apostle Paul, right? Which I always picture walking like this for some reason. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, yes. This is how I raised that person from the dead after they fell out of a window because I preached too long. Yes, that's how I did that. I, 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 could you imagine that guy going, oh, look, a piece of paper. Let me pick that up. In our day and age, I don't think we can because we think he's so way up here. And that seems like a task way down here. But do you notice they were just ministering? Just a general, we're just doing whatever's needed. And it was in the ministering that the Spirit of God said, okay, go ahead and separate out from me those two guys. Does it mean they're better than the rest of the guys in verse 1? Read 1 Corinthians. Paul makes it pretty clear. We're all just planting and watering. Apollos, Peter, me, where no one's better than each other. We're all doing this ministry. See, Paul understood, I'm going to humbly serve wherever God gives me opportunity. And then what do we see Paul doing? The Holy Spirit calls them. They respond in faith. The church responds in faith, prays over them, and then sent them away. Do you think somebody in the church was like, man, I'm going to miss Saul? I mean, do you think you'd miss Saul if he was walking through our church? Do you think they missed Barnabas and his encouragement? I mean, could you imagine him going to church with you? You'd come in in a bad mood. That's over. Barnabas is like putting his arm around you like, brother, listen, let me tell you all the good things that God has done and lifts you up. And they step away from the church. The church didn't groan about it. They didn't get upset about it. They just did what God asked. And they said, no, we believe God is doing something. But here's the key. Do you know what happened when they prayed over them and sent them away? They had a hand in the ministry that Paul and Barnabas were going to do. They had a hand in the very mission work that Paul and Barnabas were doing. They were already serving in the local church. And this is when the Spirit of God called them to missions. Notice that the church had a hand in that calling by praying over them. The church at Philippi, go over to Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 15. So Paul's doing missions. He's ministering. And this church, the church at Philippi, has a hand in his missions work. And it's a beautiful letter. Uh, one of my favorite letters that Paul writes to the early church. But listen to verse 15 through verse 20. So Philippians chapter 4 and verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, listen now, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Now that's not saying that other churches since then hadn't picked up and were helping. 
But he's saying, when I originally left Macedonia, no church communicated with me. That's another way of saying, gave to his mission work. Had a hand in his needs being met physically. Verse 16, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your accounts. Was Paul going, oh, this sucks. This is horrible. Oh, I need, I need, I need. Why is nobody helping me? No, he's saying, you sent to my need, and I'm thankful for that. Not because I desired a gift, but I want fruit for your accounts. I want you to receive fruit in this. Listen to verse 18. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. An odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Basically, an offering is what he's saying. It's like an offering to God. Verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God, our God and our Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. We love that verse in verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We quote this all the time. Having a bad day? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches. These guys on TV, they love that verse. They love that verse. You can have all that you want. All the riches of the world can be yours. You're supposed to have wealth and health and all good things. Because God's word says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches. And he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Do you see how easy this preaches? Problem is, context matters. Context matters. What's the context here? Why is Paul telling the church at Philippi, my God shall supply all your needs? Because they gave out of their need. They gave so much that created need in their lives. They were giving to the mission of Paul. That created a need in their life. And Paul says, so that need you now have because you gave to me and the work of God, God shall supply that need. Not wants, but need. So understand that early church had a hand in missions. We today get to be a part of all that God is doing in the world as we give and support missionaries. We are making it possible for missionaries to serve as God has led them. We get to have a hand in that. We currently serve 11 missionaries. We get to have a hand in every one of those fields, from the Philippines to Poland to here in the States. We have a missions wall out here with all the letters from them about different things that God is doing. And I encourage you, before you leave today, just stop and take note of that. At the Welcome Center, there's some prayer guides. All the missionaries are listed in there. Maybe you begin praying for our missionaries and praying for what God is doing. I'll just tell you, right now, we as a church support each missionary $100 a month. So it's $1,100 a month, and you can do math. You know how much we do in a year. In my opinion, $100 a month is not enough. That's just me. Could you imagine if you had to provide for you and your needs of your family in another country, how many churches would you have to go to if each one gave you $100 a month? How many churches would you have to travel to and talk to and, and minister to and preach at and try to convince that your mission is worthy of the cause for them to support? Do you know that most churches give anywhere between $20 to $50 a month for their missionaries? Could you, even, could you imagine? I had a friend that when we were, he, he was a missions major in college. He told me a year later, a few years later, he said he was something like 40-some churches he was having to think he'd get support from. 40-some churches. You're home on furlough, or, yeah, furlough for maybe three months out of the year. Every three years, maybe. 
Could you imagine trying to visit 40-some churches all over the U.S. in three months? So here's my point. When we give to missions, it's not just, okay, yeah, I'll support that. That's nice what they do. We are supporting someone's livelihood so they can do what God has called them to do. And we get a part in that, guys. And so here's what I want you to know. The church is the chosen way and means of connecting people to Christ. Lastly, don't let others stop you from being connected to the church. So I'm going to close on this, and then we're going to pray. Um, here's what I want you to know. In our day and age today, there's a lot of times that people will actually influence you, even other believers, from being consistently connected to the body of Christ. I'll give you a really silly example, then we're going to close in prayer. When I was in high school, I had a friend that was, we were in youth group together, and we were both really just loving the Lord at the time and just growing, and, and we were encouraging each other, and we both just wanted to be at church all the time. It was just something God was doing in our lives. And he started dating this girl. And the girl was a Christian, and everything was good. But there was one time, I remember it was a Sunday afternoon, we were playing basketball up at the missionary campgrounds over here on Wilcox Road. And he got on the phone with her and hangs up the phone, and he's like, man. I was like, what? He's like, oh, she's mad at me. I was like, why is she mad at you? He said, well, she wants to go to the movies tonight, but I told her I can't because I got church. So he ended up coming to church, but guess what? Sooner or later, guess, you guys can, you know the rest of the story. All of a sudden, we didn't see him at church a whole lot. Now, praise God, they're married, they have kids, and he's very active in his church. But there was a window there where he kind of just drifted. Why? Because he allowed somebody else to influence him. Again, I'm not talking about you can't miss for certain reasons. I'm just saying consistently influence him away from connecting with the body of Christ. So here's what I wanted to encourage you with. People have been hurt by the church. People have said things to them in church. I mean, churches have not always been Christ-like, and so that causes hurt. And so you might have someone in your life that, that is not really anti-Jesus, but kind of anti-church. And they may even say things to you to try to encourage you to be anti-church. And you're torn about that. Listen, if you believe God has called you to be consistent in the body of Christ, to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, then if an influence in your life is trying to lead you down the road of inconsistency, maybe you would say, you know what, I love you, but I need to be a part of what God is doing. I'm telling you right now, it happens all the time. And you think, well, that was just in youth ministry. That was just as a teenager. No, guys, it happens as adults. Even Christian friends might even kind of encourage, oh, you can miss a couple weeks. What's the big deal? Yeah, you can miss all you want, technically. But are you, what's God leading in your life? To be a part of what God is doing consistently? Or are you allowing yourself to be pulled away because of their hurt? Or how about your own hurt? your own past experiences in church. And so, again, I know this is kind of a, a topic that has a lot of different applications. I pray that you would just ask God for wisdom as it applies to your life. Let's pray and ask God to be with us through a time of invitation as we respond to him. Father, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you so much for your love in our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would make the effort and the decision to be consistent as we gather together as the body of Christ, not just so that we are encouraged individually, so that we are strengthened in the word of God, but that we're able to also minister the same to those in the body of Christ, to serve one another, to pray for and with one another, to lift each other up in times of need, to, to weep with those who are weeping, but Lord, to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, and that we would just allow ourselves to be used by your grace to minister to others that we would be evangelists, that we would share Christ with those in this world, and that we connect them to the body of Christ, that we'd be disciple makers, Lord, that we'd be opening up the word of God with others in our lives, encouraging them with the truth of Scripture that they might become more like Christ. 
Father, thank you for using the church. Thank you for letting us be a part of the body of Christ. You graciously and lovingly sacrificed yourself on the cross for our sins. We're buried in a borrowed tomb and rose again. And when we receive you as Savior, we not only have a home in heaven, we have a home right now in the body of Christ. And we can be unified with one another in that body. So Father, help us to have wisdom in all of this, to look for opportunities to serve, but Lord, also to use the gifts you've given us to minister to those in the church. Father, thank you for all this, and I pray, Lord, that above all things, you would be glorified. And if there's somebody here that doesn't know Christ, before they leave this building, they would know you and know your salvation, your forgiveness of sins, and eternal life. Father, we love you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning as we have time of invitation? I want to invite you to come and be a part of what God is doing. So maybe you want to come and pray and say, God, I want to be consistent. I want to be consistent in the body of Christ. Help me to do that and help me to see how I can be used to minister to the body for you and your glory. Would you come and pray this morning as we respond?